Yeah. Yeah, is right. We're back, baby. Where, what do you mean we're back? Where did we go? Well, we had Labor Day. We were oh, yeah. And I feel like, did I go somewhere? I feel like I haven't done this in six years. I know. It, well, it was a weird end of the summer. And yet, we're getting out of it. every day I do this, back. I feel like I've never done anything else in my life but this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be in Portland oh, on no. Friday. That means I have so. to vacuum? No. Okay, good. Live. It does mean you need to get a second chair. Live from Tariq Fancy's anti-ESG diary. Did you know he kept an anti-ESG diary? Is that like uh, like Lord Voldemort's diary? Yeah, I've seen it. It's leather-bound. It has that little clasp. That's what I mean. Not, is he Lord Voldemort, but is the diary like <laughs> <Yes>. that? Like, <laughs> It's the ESG industry's only weekly woke data podcast featuring analyst whole Matt Muscardi. Come on, audience. Give it to him. Oh, we can't. Yeah. We can't the, hear the, the audience. audience is, no, the audience is, well, they, they have to, they have to, let they have the to wait for play. the music to fade out before they actually um, come and do anything. In today's sweaty September ESG sack called September 6th, <laughs> 2023, I, I do feel that way, though, today. A sack of ESG. I don't know how it's going in your part of New England, but my part is unpleasant. We have oh, it's hot, yeah. We have an epic Australian glass cliff alert. All the Musk headlines you were trying to avoid, you're welcome. And oh uh, no, are we doing that today? We have the ESG idiot of the day. I'm excited yeah, for that ESG that. idiot of the day, and the great Paul Hodgson from SKH, who I'm getting a late report is not the ESG idiot of the day. No, he is not. They are SKH. Don't be confused. Is, your ESG data solutions provider. Our show so. today is being sponsored by S-Gage. Yeah. Your ESG data solutions provider. You just said that. I know. But I have, I just, I have I'm, to. I'm front running your sponsorship. I'm contractually copy. obligated to say that. Paul will jump on later to talk about, according to him, he's talking about women on boards and women in management. That's a lot of it's women. It's very broad in general. I know. There's a lot of things you could talk yeah. about, but let's get right to it because there's a big, you have a big story. I have. Oh, God. As in a lot of words. <laughs> Not that anyone cares. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I got into the rabbit hole of Qantas Airlines this morning. That's what, that's what <laughs> oh. I did. That's how I spent oh. my morning. All right. This is <laughs> a, sure if I like uh, that. This is an incredible glass cliff alert out of Australia. Van Vanessa Hudson is the now is now the Qantas CEO. Here's the headline. She faces big challenges in the years ahead. Uh, I, Matt, I think the best way to tell this story is just with a hodgepodge of all the horrible headlines going on at Qantas. I don't know how much you know Wait, about the Qantas. The, well, I know they're an airline, and I know they're <laughs> yeah. in Australia. Okay. Um, but the but the headline says, in the years ahead. That assumes she's going to last the years. Well, okay. Well, the reason why I'm saying in the years ahead is because of the shit show left by departing CEO Alan Joyce, who is who is stepping down two months early, uh, just weeks two months, just weeks before a planned formal farewell. So he couldn't even get to the formal farewell at the AGM in November. That's how wow. bad things are. So he, I'm just going to run down a bunch of random things going on at Qantas. First is uh, they announced record profits, right, a few weeks ago. Yeah. But then there was this bogus ticket scandal that dropped out of nowhere. According <laughs> Oops. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, uh, they're aiming for a record $600 million penalty. They're accusing Qantas of allegedly advertising tickets for thousands of canceled flights and failing to tell customers about ticket cancellation. So, there was, so in effect, Qantas has been selling its customers canceled 
flight tickets. Ooh. Well, that's one way to get some profit. For more than 8,000 flights. Uh, 8,000 flights is a lot of flights. Yeah. Other headlines. Qantas reputation is in the bin. What can new CEO Vanessa Hudson do to retrieve it? So uh, here's a, according to one article here, Qantas issues a groveling apology to Australians after nightmare week. But here's the groveling apology. We openly acknowledge that our service standards fell well short and we sincerely apologize. Is that groveling? Oh, wow. That's, that's like hands and knees. Like that's outside your door begging you to come back. Other headlines. Alan Joyce leaves Qantas outrage over $24 million CEO's golden handshake as he retires to enjoy a penthouse with views of the Sydney Opera House. Whoops. So they're, they're rubbing it in a little bit there that he's <laughs> yeah, already rich. Uh, I mean, that's isn't that what they did with the SVB bank, yes. which failed spectacularly? Yeah. And then they said, like, the, the CEO is currently at Maui, like, well, this, this article gets really into this. Uh, he sold he just sold a $20 million home, but and they downsized to a $9 million penthouse. And they also have a $5 million beach house down the road. So they're really laying into him on this one. Uh, other headlines. Everybody has a Qantas horror story. Um, so there's been a run of negative headlines. Uh, this uh, Qantas has been the subject of scandal under Joyce's leadership and was found to have violated the Fair Work Act. Uh, so that so the court, the Australia's federal court ruled that the airline had recently fired seventeen illegally fired seventeen hundred employees in the process of outsourcing two thousand ground handling jobs. So during the pandemic, they dealt with their human resources with their labor by outsourcing 2,000 jobs. By um, So they illegally fired uh, 2,000 unionized workers. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, uh, Qantas board under fire over Ooh, horror run, like they're saying. Uh, this is the Qantas board led by veteran chair Richard Goiter. Okay. A court- <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. According to reports, the board was not expecting Joyce to retire early. It was also unaware of the severity of the Australian Competition Consumer Commission's case against the airline group. <laughs> really? They're unaware? Goiter emphasized that it was not the board's decision for Joyce to leave early. So you have to wonder, like, what is the board really doing? Goiter is not up for re-election. This is the chair at November's annual election because he is uh, re-elected on three-year terms. So this is how this is why we rail it's against classified the stupid board. classified yeah. boards, right? So yeah, shareholders, according to Australian law, he actually has the option to put himself up for re-election, but is not expected to do so. Oh, well, I, he's getting out while the getting's good. Yeah. How many airlines are there in Australia? At like least three? one. At least one that I know of. <laughs> I mean, there's Qantas. But, like, like I, I, everyone's got a Qantas horror, horror story. Their service shuts down, and it's terrible. They're selling canceled flight tickets, and they have that many flights. Aren't they the, like, the largest the airline, airline, like, of, by uh, a wide yes. margin, mm-hmm. right? Like, there aren't many other. I think there's, like, three or four other Big enough, but you know how it is when you that you would care about when you book a trip. I mean, there's not really you don't really you can pretend like you know you're angry against Delta and American and you're never going to fly them again, but you don't really have much choice, right? I mean, well, in in 
in the U.S., we have Southwest, JetBlue, American, Delta, Virgin. Yeah, but, they, but only certain routes are supplied by some. certain carriers, though. So it's like you don't really have a lot of choice. But I, I, I like my fake options. I, I don't think Australia even has many fake options. The good news for Qantas. Australian travelers is that Qantas also owns a budget airline in Australia called Jetstar. So, the, so they own the, the competitive. The they own one budget. of their competitors. Yeah. So here's the, back to the glass cliff stuff. Oh, before I get to that, the chair, the chair of Qantas again, Richard Goiter. He is also the chair of Woodside Energy Group. He is also the chair of Australian Football, the, the Australian Football League Commission. He is also the chair of the West Australian Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> and he is also the chair of Channel 7 Telethon Trust. So this guy's a busy guy. <laughs> That's a lot of what chairs. What's going on? So back to the class, Cliff. Uh, um, who's to, uh, Vanessa Hudson taking over. She was the CFO of Qantas. Also, uh, so Alan Joyce will be leaving the board. Director Michael Lestrange will be leaving the board. They just appointed a, a new board member two weeks ago, Dr. Heather Smith. She has a PhD in economics. So, oh, Heather. So as of the AGM in November, this Qantas will be led by a female CEO and a majority, that'll be five out of eight directors, will be women. So this is a great glass cliff moment for Qantas. Yeah, let's just summarize yeah. real briefly. Yeah. Qantas sucks ass after everybody got rich and then all the men left leave Qantas at literally the, the chair, same time the chair. It, i mean the 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 chair's not putting himself up for not, re-election though right like so well, he doesn't have to he's on a three he got re-elected last year in a three-year term so oh oh so he's he he's just opting to stick around he's opting for to a stick around while. yeah oh that's according nice. to our data Alan Joyce controlled 28% of the board influence. So that's a lot of influence that's going to be spread around now. It's a nice void. Yeah. It's a nice glass cliff void. Uh, before I leave to the next story, I wanted to end on this. Uh, the inevitable headline that comes from any disaster. Although I, I, gotta, I want to reiterate before I get to this is that it, it, there has been a remarkable run of epic failures, that, including apologies that have led to appointing a woman as a CEO. Groveling apologies. Yeah. Like we're out really on an epic glass cliff CEO ceiling run, right? I mean, this is really incredible. I, I just really wanted to point good, that yeah. out. All right. Um, inevitably, in all these stories, we get to this headline, Qantas's woke capitalism is failing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that coming out of a Rupert Murdoch rag? Uh, this is from the Sydney... I don't know. The what spectator. is this from? This is from The Spectator. I don't know what that is. It's probably Rupert Murdoch. Because um, We also, Matt and I were talking about something off air. Uh, there was an anti-woke story upset about Dove because they're they're putting up their pictures of women with like a few hair follicles on their armpits. Just a couple of hairs sticking yeah. out. And this guy is angry. And I this is from a uh, a website called Outkick, and I looked at who owned Outkick, and yes, it's Rupert Murdoch. He, <laughs> it, it's owned, yeah, owned by Fox Corporation. I mean, it's literally the Dove one is moderately hysterical. That anyone cares about that, it is like it, it's about armpits, and the article makes it sound like that there are these like monstrous hairy armpits all over the place that Dove is shoving in your face. It's like a couple of women with arguably 
norm, like t- totally normal armpits yeah, that are visible. Whatever normal I guess. means, yeah. I mean, like they're just—it's it's such a nothing burger, nothing. and they're—they're they're like Dove's woke, yeah. Unilever's woke, Ben and Jerry's is woke. So thank you. And somehow they got to Ben that. and Jerry's too. Uh, so in this article, Qantas says woke capitalism is failing. Uh, I guess that the, the mostly an issue here is that Australia is being asked to vote on a referendum in October. Uh, it's called the Indigenous Voice uh, referendum, asking voters whether they support altering the constitution to set up an indigenous committee to advise the federal parliament. Now, now this is just a, a committee, indigenous committee, that only in an advisory capacity, right? But this, I guess this referendum is really splitting the country. This is, really, this is like their version of Brexit because, you know, both sides are, 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 are kind of angry at each other. It's, uh, the polling is kind of right down the middle right now. The issue at hand is that Qantas declared its support for this. And this is why they're saying that Qantas's woke capitalism is failing. And I wanted to just point out the playbook of the anti-ESG and the anti-woke. Um, this, a quote from this article says, the, the central conundrum of woke capitalism is its unprofitability. Okay? That's, yep. that's the central tenet of this guy's argument. Matt, two weeks ago, Quant headlines. Qantas delivers record two point five billion dollar profit. <laughs> so he writes this two weeks after Qantas delivered record profits. I mean, this is the state of the anti ESG movement right now. And can I, I just I say just, before you get to that, just two sentences after he says this, he he. This is just like the the playbook of Vivek Ramaswamy. He jumps to this uh, quote. Not to mention there is zero evidence that woke diversity training programs improve productivity. I don't even know how he got there, but he went from woke capitalism equals unprofitability to uh, diversity training programs suck. I don't even know what that means. This is, you're right that this is the playbook. This is the playbook. It's, it's say a thing. The the thing being, the thing being that woke politics is not profitable. Right, and then blame like, it on black and people then and women. Say something about women, black people, yeah. or gays. Right, right? like, and, and it, those two things have Horrible. literally not a thing Horrible. to do with each other. But it's like, say something is woke, then say women, brown people, gays are to blame. That's it, and that's that's the whole playbook. And it must be a paint by numbers playbook because this was two weeks after Qantas announced record profits. This guy but still went ahead with his article. There's another piece to this playbook that yeah. we're not talking about, yeah, go ahead. which is say um, political discrimination somewhere too. Say that like conservative voices have been shut down by this company because I'm seeing that over and over and over again. Like Vivek wants to shut down the FBI. Why? Because it's ideologically like discriminating against conservatives. Well, and you're right because which yeah. is funny because it was started by a guy who was chasing hippies and leftists, yeah. right? Like and, and, it was not and shooting at Martin Luther King. And shooting them, right? Yeah. Like so shouldn't the lefties want to shut it down more than Vivek? Uh yeah. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's probably enough of that. Do we have more terrible things yeah, that are going to make on. me fear? Tell, uh, terrible? I just I just wanted to run down a bunch of uh, Elon Musk headlines. Sorry. Oh come on! Yeah, I don't. I never know what to do with them. I don't know how much. I, I, I guess, like me, I bet our listening audience kind of avoids them. But I just I I think it's worthwhile to hear them all 
this is like within the last few days. This is just to hear them all at once. I think is a worthwhile corporate governance exercise, and it it begs you to anyone listening who has any control over proxy voting that you vote for anyone on on the Tesla board. You're crazy. That's all I'm going to say. I don't yeah, know. that's insane. And right? let's just let's just in order to make this more fun. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm going to play the not, I'm going to play Nugget theme music okay. underneath you. Okay, ready? Yeah. So, I, because there's, otherwise, I'm going to hate every second. Yeah, I'll of try this. to go quickly. Musk so blames. Let's just do the headlines. Musk blames Anti Defamation League for X's poor ad sales, threatens lawsuit. The head of Anti Defamation League says Elon Musk's behavior is dangerous and deeply irresponsible. Musk's epic antic Labor Day weekend against the Jews. Elon <laughs> Musk borrowed $1 billion from SpaceX around the same time he bought Twitter. That's right, he borrowed a billion dollars from SpaceX. Uh, a Tesla bumper sticker says that I bought this before we knew Elon was crazy. Elon Musk says progressive LA school has turned daughter into communist who thinks anyone rich is evil. Elon Musk wow. says his daughter who ditched his last name doesn't want to spend time with me. Oh, well, he's evil <laughs> and, and ever because e- he's rich. Elon Musk's erosion of safety standards at X is helping Putin spread Russian propaganda study finds. Elon Musk has unprecedented influence that spans multiple industries and our fate is in his hands. Elon Musk X wants to collect users' biometric data and education history. <laughs> nah. And I quit it. An upcoming privacy policy update shows federal officials claim Elon Musk is treated like an unelected official due to growing influence in Ukraine war policy. Elon Musk doubted ex-Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal because he was too nice. Elon Musk's ex is hit with 2,200 arbitration claims from former Twitter employees. Tesla investors awarded $12,000 each for Elon Musk's funding secured tweet falsely indicating he would take the company private. Elon Musk's tweet is cited in a new DOG lawsuit accusing SpaceX of routine, routine discrimination against refugees. And finally... Elon Musk's Tesla almost ran a red light during a uh, full, full. what is it called? FSD dr- demo. What is that? Full. Isn't it full, full self-driving? Full self-driving demo. A video appeared to show Musk taking the wheel after the software misread a traffic signal. Yikes. Um, that was really depressing and horrible. Yeah. Um, and it didn't even say the one that Musk just zoomed mm-hmm. AI. He just did the Zoom like update where he said all users' tweets will now be subject to training his AI company. His his AI. Yeah, I'm just so, re- I'm just reading the headlines. And I don't want to talk about Elon Musk. Uh, all, okay, again, all I'm going to say is to anyone advising voting, uh, that, again, that you would support any, anyone it on that board. It is one share, one vote, people. Yeah. You actually have a say at this company, at yeah. least Tesla. You don't have a say anywhere and, else. And I was talking to the Money Whisperer yesterday. You, you can't tell me. I mean, Tesla had such incredible market control, electric vehicle market control, really had all the positive headlines. You can't tell me. That the rest of the world hasn't quickly caught up because you have this guy in power who has 17 other CEO oh, 100%. jobs. 100%. Right? Well, uh, like, the se- if you see sales numbers going up at any other EV comp- like product, it's because they just don't want to buy Elon Musk's products anymore. Yeah, this, like, is a, this is a corporate governance issue. But, but beyond that, I mean, because what we've seen in the tech space is that if you get 
early control of the market, you generally keep it, right? In and this uh, is the unless ESG, you're Tesla. This is the ESG thing, mm-hmm. right? Like your CEO is is insane yeah. and hard to deal with, and has ten and other no CEO one likes jobs. Him. Right, like he has ten jobs. He now hates his daughter because she's a communist. She's a trans communist or whatever. He's anti woke because of all that stuff. I will take a lesser quality product if I had to, just to avoid you. That's called capitalism. That's yeah. a market force. That's why people use ESG data. Speaking of ESG data, yeah. let's do Woo. our ESG. I don't know if idiot might be harsh. Idiot of the day? Idiot of the week. Yeah, um, uh, she might be. It might be harsh, but because she does not seem like an idiot, but she does seem like an opportunist. So what I'm going to, but here's here's a headline well, I be, saw. Could be the same. Has thing. ESG gone off the rails? I like, I, like the, I like the question. I like that kind of headline writing. The question, the Tucker Carlson, the question. It's the, it is the Tucker don't Carlson Don't declare question. something, just insinuate it. I'm not going to say it, but mm-hmm. I am going to imply it, and you're going to read it as a result. It's written by Sharon Bentley Hamlin. Mm-hmm. She is a director at Aubrey Capital Management, based in the UK and in Scotland. Scotland, yeah. Um, uh, or London and Edinburgh, I think, okay. are their offices. Just for background on who Sharon is, yep. Sharon was an opera singer in the 1980s. Well, we all were, um, so that's fine. Obviously. Yep. Um, she then worked at Credit Commercial de France as an M&A analyst. Great accent, yeah. She joined uh, Walter Scott Partners as an analyst doing EU s- stock selection, Whatever European that means. stocks. Yep. And she won a bunch of women awards. She won some woman stuff. Okay, like, I don't, you know, like, now you're creeping me out. I don't know what you're getting at. I'm just saying. She lists five things I've never heard of that okay. were like top female alpha awards. So you're, you know, you're make, this is tr- part of your making the case of whether or not she's an idiot. Ma- so, oh, I see what you've done. You've changed the 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 story. That it's not ESG idiot of the day. It's ESG idiot of the day question mark. Yes, is, it's a question is she mark. the ESG idiot of the day? <laughs> it's I got right. It. Okay, I, okay. I, it's it's. Ju- I'm in. I'm implying. I didn't say it though. You didn't say. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Here's some quotes from the article. Yeah. All right. Here's her air quote ESG um, quote, mm-hmm. which is. I am becoming increasingly queasy about the direction of so-called ESG. Well, wow, I mean, there's already a lot to unpack there. First, first question is when did she start becoming queasy? Because she's I, she's increasingly queasy, and 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 why? Like, what 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 caused the initial queasiness? I I like the so-called ESG. Yeah, like, was it was it the tuna fish smeared all over the the executive the compensation plan? Like what what made her queasy? I want to know. I mean, that would make anyone queasy yeah. if we're honest, right? Like that yeah. would that would put me increasingly. Over the edge. And then beyond that, what does she mean? So called ESG? What does that even so mean? Called? So called? I mean, so, it like, is called ESG. I it's mean, called it, ESG. Yeah, well, I don't know and, what that who means. Who so called it that? Right? Yeah. Like uh, that, so already. Okay, I'm already that, confused. I like All, this. Right. All right, and then there's the. We do women good, but they're so hard to find play in the article. Quote, and this is a longer quote, so sit with me. Yeah, I'm here. Quote, our firm strongly supports getting more women to consider investment management as a career, and we have a good gender balance in our company. But there are several well-run businesses in our investment universe that are downgraded in the sustainability ratings because women do not yet comprise one-third of their boards. Okay. In principle, uh-huh. it would be great to have this level of female participation. Yeah, she's for assuming, it. Assuming, 
yeah. women can be found who are qualified and competent oh, for board no. roles. Okay. That's a big but assumption. In our in exp- world. now there's the but. There's mm-hmm. the, the there's the period mm-hmm. now the but. Assuming, but yeah. it, but in our experience of speaking with senior management in a wide range of industries, uh-huh. this is not so easy <laughs> to achieve. Oh god. There simply are not enough qualified women coming forward for such roles or indeed entering certain industries and progressing to this level. I mean, there's so much to say here. I don't even know. My head is spinning. I mean, but the the one that I'm stuck on is the qualified women, they're not coming forward. So... So no. th- wh- we're not going to go look. Don't. We're not going to recruit people. We're not right. We're not going to create a pipeline. We're we're, we're going to wait for them to come forward. I, I don't, but I just weird. like that juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Assuming there are qualified women, it would be great to have them. Well, we know, but there yeah. are no qualified women. Which, like that that thing <laughs> is I, fantastic. Yeah, as I, if yeah. there aren't women who are qualified to do any. Like the men who have those roles are qualified. Can I just that's say, the assumption? Yeah, of course. Can I just say that? Uh, and and uh, this is part, another one part of the anti ESG playbook. They always they always you know they they refer to you know these like she's saying in our experience of speaking with senior management in a wide range yes. of industries. Why not quote them in the article? Uh, Why don't we get people on record at least to say like there are no. There competent are no women. women around. Yeah. Why not Charlie Sharpfit is what you're saying. Like sure. say that we can't find them. Yeah. But but uh, I, I, most of them are going to be men, right? Like the mm-hmm. senior management that they're talking to and they're saying to the men, why Who aren't are there qualified? any women? And they're right. like, we can't find any. And then they like write that down and then put it in an article. Like to say that there aren't any. What are you, an executive search firm? This is sad. I feel sad for her. I don't know if she's an idiot. I just feel sad here now. Well, it's idiot question mark. Yes, yeah, true. So I don't. Um, so uh, so here's what I wanted to ask you: um, Assuming women can be found who are qualified and competent for board roles, tough assumption. In your experience, mm-hmm. Damian Rollis, yeah, m- looking at women on boards, are women competent? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, if if you take her logic, right, which is that if the, since the man the man's already there, so he must be competent and qualified, right? Then Correct. the women must be too if they're there. So I guess the answer is yes, they're competent, right? They're <laughs> I like qualified, your logic. Right? I also like the fact that you did a paper that showed that women have higher educations than men. Like I, I feel like that's old. I feel history. like that's old news at this point. It's old news, but that, it's like maybe that they're more qualified Sharon and, and more educated. Needs to read it. Yeah, this is a sad. I, again, this is a sad moment for Sharon. I don't know if she knows what she put her name on. And then she wraps this article up mm-hmm. with a non sequitur into environmental issues and the ideology discrimination play, mm-hmm. which is what I mentioned earlier as increasingly part of the playbook. Quote, you get into situations, as in the UK, where basic services like banking can be denied to individuals, small businesses, and organizations whose views may not concur with a company's political or sociological stance. Well, I have a question about what a sociological stance is. What's a sociological stance? Sociological stance is like um, that's a good question. Is that like like bed, I'm taking a stance against on bedwetters or something? I don't. I don't know. Obesity yeah, trends. I don't really know what that one is. What is that? But let's break these down one at a time, shall mm-hmm, we? Mm-hmm. Because what else do we have to do in the next five minutes? Yeah, go ahead. As to Aubrey Capital Investment Management, Aubrey Capital Management's ESG. 
All right. So if she first says so-called ESG. Here's what their ESG is, which I assume must be real ESG next to so-called ESG. Okay. Right. Because they're doing ESG, mm-hmm. and now today's so-called ESG. So it they started, must have the real one. So it started as you're saying it started as ESG, but it's kind of transformed into a so-called ESG it's, because exactly. of now it's like because of all the. I, I guess the unqualified and incompetent women who've taken over the, I don't even know what, like why well, is I don't, it, what's I, changed? I mean, I like uh, whatever the ESG is now, mm-hmm. here's all I'm going to take it okay. as. The ESG now is not real ESG. It's so-called ESG. Yeah. The ESG that we're doing is real ESG. Right. So yeah. here's the ESG that they're doing. Yeah. Aubrey has built um, ESG into their practice since 2006. Mm-hmm. This is all from their website. Okay. You can look this up. They use the UN Global Compact mm-hmm. as the base basis for their research and analysis. Okay, that is all. Oh, that that's, they they that's all the information they give you. So really. that maybe that's what she means by so-called ESG because there's really not they much do, going no, on. No, this is the real ESG. Oh, okay. So-called is ESG is the other stuff. The they so, do their yeah. own in-house research. They have no context. Mm-hmm. They they don't they only research their portfolio companies ESG stuff, and they only do it around the UN Global Compact. So all the other stuff, but this DEI stuff, I imagine, mm-hmm. is the, the so-called ESG. They claim they have internal know-how to create ESG scores. Okay. I looked at every bio on yeah. their website, and there are more than 30 people on their website. I like internal know-how, yeah. Their ESG experience includes um, analyst Clizzy Lidman, Yep. She had a Clizza, ESG yeah. investing certificate. She's mm-hmm. a junior analyst. ESG investing and, certificate. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And Camilla Huang, yep. who got a CFA course in ESG. Okay. She's also a junior analyst. In fact, the only two women on their investment team outside of Sharon are the ones who have ESG experience, and they're both junior. Okay. So ESG know how is two junior women. Doing the ESG. Well, do you notice that there were, there is a correlation to, to all this? Like the, the reason why these movements are are now called like so called ESG, it, it it correlates with the rise of of women and people of color like having a voice in our society or in any industry, right? Like w- when they got to the table and started having some kind of authority, that's when the 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 structure, that's when we started questioning the validity of everything. Question the validity of the FBI, question the validity of the military, question the validity of ESG. It's all become shit now, right? Because because for the first time in history, really, we've let women and people of color to the Do actual, exactly, to, <laughs> to the into the actual power structures. And that's when we've noticed that it's time to drain the swamp, right? Because it's ta- now that's it's when, so that's when ESG became so-called ESG, I think is what she's trying to now say. Now it's time to shut down the FBI. Shut it all down. Shut it, no, but shut it all down, yeah, right? Because that, exactly. that's what woke the anti-woke and anti-ESG is really afraid of, is, right? Is we've given the wrong people the voice in the- in But the, not at Aubrey, yeah. okay? No, but, not at Aubrey. Uh, look- here, here's what I want to say about Aubrey, okay. d- which transitions to the next part, which is the we do women good part. Um, this is the quote she said. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, we have a good gender balance in our company. How does she define, right? does she define good she like relative using, to what? She's basically saying that as a preference to putting getting gender balance is possible 
but there isn't qualif- there aren't qualified people at some of but, these companies but again, that like, we can get. Okay? What are we talking about? Like good compared to the actual poli- the demographics of you know like po- population well, of, of who actually let, graduates let from from higher education. Like, or are we let talking me tell about you what good is relative let me just to tell the good you. boys? Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I'll just tell you what good tell is. Me. Good is twenty two men out of thirty one employees on the website. Okay, okay, so nine women. That seems like a big achievement over there in the UK. Massive. Yeah. Uh, good is 100% male portfolio managers. Oh. All the portfolio managers are men. Oh. Good is 88% of the investment managers are men. Yeah. Uh, good is 80% of the investment team is men. Mm-hmm. And the women are the two junior analysts who are ESG analysts that I mentioned. Yeah, who right? will never be promoted. Sixty-three percent of the operations team is men, and that usually correlates, right? We just talked about a paper a few weeks ago where the operations tend to be more women at these investment firms, but the right. leadership positions are are are, are men are, all the are way. Are all men? Yeah. But the ops team, ops. like the head of HR, <laughs> exactly. women, right? Seventy-one percent male sales team, seventy-eight percent male board. They can't even do thirty percent women on the board <laughs> in their own company. Yeah, right. Like they can't even do it. And even at the, so the biggest companies right. in the UK, even at the biggest companies in the UK, were well over thirty percent women on the board. So this is like. I mean, she might be right, but but she goes on. Mm-hmm. So she's saying that there's not qualified women for boards of the companies in which they invest, and that's aggravating because sustainability raters are debiting. Okay. Their, their companies, right? Yeah. But Sharon was on a podcast, and yes, I listened to the podcast. Oh, look at you. In which she talked about women in investment management. Mm-hmm. And she said in the podcast that the aggressive culture often keeps women out. Mm-hmm. Maternity leave mean men get advanced ahead of them. Sure. Right? Of course. And um, job satisfaction, work-life balance matter more to women. Right. And, and they get paid less um, is the implication here. Of course. Like, if you got paid less all the time, wouldn't you care about more about like getting out of work earlier? Because yeah, if, it's I, like, if I was getting paid less than my colleagues for the same job, my same colleagues are staying until yeah, like course. nine p.m. every single night. Of Why would I stay here until nine p.m. Yeah. when I know I'm getting eighty cents to their dollar? Mm-hmm. Right, like I'm not doing that. And then women, when they do get added to a mixed team, she called it generally gender washing. What does that mean? Because the women get no responsibility. Oh. They just get added to the Wait, team. Is she saying all this? Sort of like adding two junior women analysts to the investment teams and having them be the only women on the investment team, right? Yeah. Sort of like that. This is a confusing. This is like a woman who sounds like she's very much behind all the tenets of ESG, right? I mean, she's like, she seems for it all. Not only does she seem for it all, yeah. but she seems to be living all of the problems in her own firm and then saying that, well, we can't have 30% women on boards because because of all these things? Like, all the barriers, Aren't yeah. you then supposed to, as an investor, say those things are not good excuses? Yeah. The women are qualified well, to have the job. No. You are socially keeping them out of the jobs. No, Matt, because you're forgetting that she, she was suggesting that women aren't competent enough to have the oh. jobs. Oh, <laughs> Right, well, so she's at, so the, the no article would suggest that, that despite the barriers, that the barriers don't matter because the, there are no competent women in the first place, right? Well, you'd be wrong about that because in in the podcast she says there are no differences between men and women doing their job at research. There are no right. competency 
issues. What she does say is confidence is an issue because mm-hmm. these are situations in which the loudest voice tends to sure. win. Yeah. And so women lack the confidence yeah. in, the, in those issues. Networking is an issue because women don't do, and this is her thing, drinking culture. Yeah. Probably because of all the fucking groping that happens well, when you go out drinking. And, right? and probably because they're going home to their families and the men don't feel like feel the need to do that. They don't feel the so urge. So what are we talking about here? I have she no says idea. there's not no a confidence idea. issue. I can't deal with this. I don't, Your own firm <laughs> doesn't this is confusing. even like this is the most confusing thing. Matt, I think That's, someone wrote that article for her. This is why there's a question her. mark. I think this someone wrote that article for her. She didn't know what she was putting her name on. This is this is this is sad. I find this to be very sad. Can I can yeah, we re- so point, rename this the sad ESG industry professional of the no, day? It's it's the ESG <laughs> question mark. Um, but to question the, the competence of women, I mean, that is just outrageous. Look, the point is here, and let's go out on this because yeah. otherwise we're going to be much. doing this for like seven years. Yeah. The point here is if you give everyone on the internet a pen, you can flood it with hot takes about wokeness and ESG and clickbaity titles with question marks. Tariq can say everyone is underqualified in ESG. Vivek can say ESG is destroying capitalism. And I can go back and forth. I was on a LinkedIn back and forth yeah. with a guy who's saying that ESG is predatory delay of addressing the climate issue. ESG is to blame Uh for the delay in in like dealing with the climate. ESG is the problem. Well, just like Vivek said, didn't he he blame that climate change, the policy fighting climate change has caused more death than climate change itself? The same kind of rationale? And just to put a point on it, zero data. Sorry, Sharon. There is no data in your entire article. You cited zero numbers. You cited zero only sources, anecdotal zero evidence. Quotes. And when I looked at your own firm and actually counted things and did like the numbers and did some research, your own your own quote about your own firm's gender balance in our company is good is demonstrably false. Yeah. Right? Stop penning bullshit. That's that's my point. That was bad. That was sad. That was a sad article. That's all, that's all I got. I, again, I can understand her questioning the qualifications if they're not. Oh, yeah. We're not done. No, we are done. Because we have Paul. Oh, okay. Paul's got to come in. We Paul's going to talk about women. Just so the audience knows, the audience knows that the reason why we've been filibustering so long and making the show go is we're waiting for Paul to park and to get into the studio. Yeah, honestly. We don't usually like talk he, this long. We do, we. <laughs> He's got to validate his parking afterwards. All right, here's Paul from SKH talking about some stuff about women. More women stuff. We do good gender balance. Paul, take it away. Hello there. Paul Hodgson here with the SKH Statistic of the Week, or rather statistics, because there's going to be several, as there always are, in fact. So with the Supreme Court's decision on affirmative action, as well as the ESG backlash that's going on due to Republican concerns about the subject. A lot of corporates have pulled back on their diversity, equity and inclusion programs, or at least have sent them underground. So I'm going to spend the next few weeks looking at what has been achieved over the last few years in terms of diversity, both uh, gender diversity and racial and ethnic diversity, both for pay levels, for the proportion of women in management, women on boards, etc, etc. Those kinds of things. So we're going to look at those and see 
whether it's appropriate really for corporates to actually pull back on these programs because they've achieved what they wanted. I think we all know the answer to that. But anyway, so let's start with women on board. Okay, so we're looking at the Russell 3000 over the period from 2021 to 2023. So we've seen a steady increase, um, both the average and the median of women on board from 24.3% in 2021 to 31.1% in 2023. That's the average and the median's gone up from 25% in 2021 to 30% in 2023. Now, just to make a comparison between the total sample here, the Russell 3000 and the S&P 500, I think we'll find that progress has been higher in the S&P 500 than it is uh, faster rather than it is uh, has been rather in the Russell 3000. So, yeah, so we're just looking at 2023 at the moment. And the average for the Russell 3000 is 31.1 percent, as we've said, with a median of 30 percent. Um, but the average in the S&P 500 is slightly higher, not a great deal, but slightly higher. So the average is 33.1 percent in the S&P 500 and 33% uh, median in the S&P 500. So a couple, between two and three percentage points higher. So we're talking about a third of boards are made up of women directors at the moment, which is a proportion of the population that is slightly higher than 50%. So clearly pulling back on diversity, equity and inclusion, DE&I, programs is not appropriate at the moment. So let's look at women in management. This is a, a more difficult statistic to collect and a more difficult statistic to analyze because there's less information about women in management than there is about uh, board directors. Women in management is slightly more difficult to get data on that. But anyway, SGAGE is good at this stuff, so here we are. So we're talking about a fairly similar proportions for the Russell 3000 and the S&P 500 in 2023 for women in management, as we saw women in boards. It's actually slightly lower for women in management than it was for women on boards. So for the S&P 500, we're looking at a median of 29.5% and an average of 31%. And in the, S the Russell 3000, rather, we're looking at a median of 30% and an average of 32.1%. Now, interestingly, the Russell 3000 is ahead of the S&P 500 in women in management, which is not quite sure how that happened, but it happened. Smaller companies are better in this respect and less good at hiring directors, I guess. So over time, again, a very, very slow increase in women in management, much slower than women on boards, which has been the focus of more shareholder action, I think, than women in management. So we're looking at a mean in 2021 of 31.6, which is barely increased by, well, less than a percentage point by 2023 at 32.1%. That's the average. And in fact, the median has gone down from 2021 from 30.2%. It went up slightly in 2022 to 31% and then fell back to 30%. This is for the whole Russell 3000, just a looking at that time period. Uh, so what we're going to look at next week, hopefully, is uh, statistics on women in the workforce and specifically women in the US workforce. So this is Paul Hodgson signing off with the S-Gage Statistics of the Week. Paul, excellent stuff from Paul Hodgson. That's it, that's all we really got. That was a fake leave last time. Now it's a real leave. That's Paul Hodgson. 
S. Gage, your ESG data service provider. The show's also sponsored by freefloatanalytics.com. Go there, get some stuff. It's free. It's up. It's got a lot of data. It's Damien Rollis. I am analyst Hole Matt Muscardi. We are Free Float. Come back on Friday. I'm going to be in Portland in Damien's shed. Oh, no. His Unabomber-like shed. Reporting live from there. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>